0: Welcome to the discussion, Delivering a World-Class Call Center Experience in Government, sponsored by Zendesk. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin.
1: Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Matt Hale, Solutions Consultant for the Public Sector at Zendesk. Matt, good to have you with us.
0: Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me.
1: And this idea of customer experience has really taken hold in government, partly because the government is not Uniformly good at customer experience, it varies widely, and maybe it's a little bit behind the public sector, but to get good customer experience takes more than simply the intention to do so, you need some good solid technological approaches. But what I wanted to start with is, what are the new and, in your opinion, most relevant metrics for benchmarking customer experience, so you have a basis to begin measuring how your progress is going.
0: Sure. Yeah, so. I think when you get under the hood, so to speak, you know the service that federal agencies are providing, it's got a lot of overlap actually with the the private sector. And, and to that end, I wouldn't even necessarily say that there are new benchmarks and new metrics. Um, when I see something new out there and nowadays, at least you probably agree, it it really feels like something that's been just reskinned as something old. But uh, I, I think if public sector can look at uh, the industry metrics the private sector is used to using then you're you're gonna find a lot of the data that I think you're looking for and that really federal agencies should be striving for. Um, The big ones for me is certainly CSAT, customer satisfaction. Uh, It's a good measure of short-term transactional approval of how a particular process went. Um, The other big one, and Tom, you and I had talked about this a little bit the other day, that is, is kind of my secret sauce in the world of good customer experience, is a a slightly lesser known industry metric called customer effort score. Uh, The idea behind this one is we're trying to track uh, how difficult or how easy it was for somebody to complete a task, uh, to to do business with you, to get a form filled out, to resolve a particular issue. Um, The idea is that you you can't really prevent problems from happening, but the easier that you make it for your constituents, your customers in these scenarios, um, the, the, the better their experience is going to be, the less you know, media firestorms you get involved with, uh, the better your risk aversion is, all those goals that we know that the public sector is going for. Admittedly different than the private sector, we're not talking about increasing profit margins here, uh, but that risk aversion, that saving taxpayer dollars, that giving them a better experience without burning ourselves out on the back end, I think is, is pretty universal. That's pretty um,
1: universal in business too, isn't it though? The, so. the axiom that people aren't as upset by a mistake or something occurring as they are if it can't be resolved properly and quickly and efficiently.
0: Exactly. And the, the my, my personal favorite uh, sort of, it sounds silly to say, but my, my favorite industry metric in the customer service world is what's uh, first contact resolution or first call resolution. Um, and that goes right back to that point that you can't stop a problem from happening But the number one driver of customer satisfaction is, are we able to resolve that issue from happening or that issue that came in, are we able to resolve that in a a first call? So that can be a, a great place to start looking at this stuff. Now, the caveat being that, especially in the public sector world, I know a lot of the agencies that I work with, something like first call resolution is impossible because of uh, security regulations, because of a, a process that has to come into place. If, if your process involves, let's say a, a constituent reaching out, filling out a form, but then in order to resolve their ultimate issue, we've gotta have some back and forth about uh, what went wrong in that form or additional clarifying information. Maybe we need an approval or collaboration with uh, another partnering agency. There's no way you're gonna be able to do all that in one call. So what I really strive for when it comes to trying to identify which metrics, which benchmarks to be looking at is to to figure out what is really my goal in a particular scenario uh, and then pick and choose the metrics that actually apply to that. If it's not going to be first call resolution, maybe something like uh, paying attention to our handling times or back to that customer effort score, can we identify particular bottlenecks in a process that might give us some of this uh, this actionable intelligence to be able to do something with moving forward.
1: So there's a big data component to this. And so the question then becomes, is this knowable information? And let me put it this way. Can you architect your systems or deploy systems such that they are designed to give you that data on a regular basis so that you can start to understand what's going on with customer experience? and understand call resolutions and effort and so forth, the different metrics you've outlined?
0: Sure, I I think so. I I think, honestly, uh, most modern day systems for communication, uh, collaboration, ticketing systems, uh, Zendesk, for example, for anyone not familiar with us, we're what's called an omni-channel help desk service platform, right? Um, our, Our job is to create... Ticketing scenarios and workflows to handle this kind of communication with, with customers. Most systems like us that, that kind of exist in this market already give you the ability to collect this type of data that you need out of the box. It's really more about learning to use it, uh, turning that intelligence into actionable and intelligence. I think really the, the best place to start with it, first, make sure that you're able to do things like basic time tracking uh, across all of the different channels that you you manage if you're accepting phone calls or emails or people are filling out a form on a website and that's what's leading you down a path to resolving a particular issue or or, or, or what have you uh, make sure that you're able to understand how long these basic processes are taking so that you can actually uh, you know, do something about that. You know, compare that to an industry benchmark. How long does the industry say this process should take? Or what are other similar agencies seeing in this particular area? Beyond that, potentially some basic surveying as well. Um, the, yeah, I'm, I kind of go back and forth uh, with m- my opinions on surveying, uh, especially when it comes to public sector. You know, having somebody fill out a, a CSAT survey saying, you know, how did you you like this interaction with us is great. But I know that personally, admittedly in my own life, I usually don't fill out a survey unless I had a, either a really, really positive experience or a really, really negative experience. And then I'm just, oh, yeah, you're going to gonna hear what I have to say. So a lot of the times it's kind of like, well, what, what kind of data are we really getting out of that? How are we really identifying this? But if you, you take your surveying and you pair that with understanding time tracking understanding uh, resolution times this data that's just going to be constantly fed into your systems your ticketing platforms already that's when you can start to really build that bigger picture of identifying what your trends are what your potential bottlenecks are what your strengths are and and understanding that that's that's when i think intelligence starts to become actionable
1: and is it a wise practice to publish these statistics and the trends to the people actually on the front lines dealing with, in this case, constituents or other people dealing with the government, you know, for years factories have had this many days since an accident or mm-hmm. the daily widget output to motivate people. Is that a good practice? Is is that what what the best commercial people do? Ooh, that's an interesting. That's an interesting one.
0: Uh, I, I would say it, it depends on the scenario. Certainly, um, if you're your scores, so to speak, if the the process that you're putting out, if you're working to try and improve this, if this is a goal for your particular agency, um, I, I think it certainly can't hurt. It can even help to show that you're making an effort, even if your scores are uh, or bad, so to speak, scores uh, you know, being the operative word there. Uh, even if the data isn't great, just being able to show that, hey, this is something that we're serious about, this is something that we're working on, um, that that can, in, in my mind, and I can certainly say that it has for customers that we've worked with in this space, um, start to give you that, or, or give your constituents that picture of, you know, this this isn't a uh, stereotypical black hole of government. There's this transparency here. Um, you know, our our public sector leaders are are working to try to make things better for us. People understand that, I think, and uh, I think that does help.
1: And by the same token, the system can also help you pinpoint individuals from a managerial standpoint that might need help with a certain process or additional training if they are the outlier with respect to some of the metrics.
0: Oh, for sure. I, I think that stuff is pretty standard here. Yeah, that's basic. Uh, internal, you know, QA. In, in my mind, uh, for example, a system like Zendesk. In our most basic reporting, we're able to do uh, at least simple time tracking on, you know, who are your, how long is it taking a particular agent to resolve this task? Who's got the biggest backlog? Who's able to uh, be the top performer? I don't like to use this kind of data so much for detracting from a particular person on the team. But just as you're saying, that could be helpful if we can identify who are our best people and who are people that may need a little bit of extra help. We've thereby identified who may be able to help those people or how we might be able to help those people or how even the technology might be able to relieve some of the issues that some of these people are happening. A lot of times good technology, uh, especially in the world today of automated intelligence, artificial intelligence, uh, there's a lot that the software can do uh, in terms of that heavy lift to make things easier on your actual staff so that they can do the things that humans do best.
1: Because you don't want to necessarily maximize throughput for the sake of throughput if that'll detract from the outcome as experienced by the client or the customer.
0: Exactly. I, I don't think, I think it's a misnomer that every call center operation is just trying to crank out as many requests as they can. Um, being able to get a response, that's a huge part of it. But uh, that sort of white glove customer service that, uh, especially in the private sector, they're, they're always striving for, applying that same kind of concept to government, that can be huge. You know, you're, when I'm dealing with uh, you know, a, a particular, I'm not going to name any particular agency here, but when I'm dealing with an issue that requires me to get in touch with a particular agency, it's hard to not get away from that uh, stereotype that Uh, This is going to be frustrating. This is going to take a while. Uh, Are are they going to pay attention to me? And having a a really positive customer experience, that's getting back to one of those industry statistics that uh, a lot of public sector might not even realize can apply to them, this idea of net promoter score, which is trying to track things like brand loyalty and how often people are going to turn around and promote your brand. Uh, Imagine constituents out there telling tales and promoting, you know, how well uh, agency A or agency B is doing to resolve their issues. That's how you know that you're really making an impact. And I think that uh, from an altruistic standpoint, that's a lot of what our public sector customers are really going for in the end anyway, at least from that day-to-day agent perspective.
1: All right. And I want to get into that omni-channel idea a little bit deeper. But first, we're going to take a short break. My guest today is Matt Hale, Solutions Consultant for the Public Sector at Zendesk. I'm Tom Temin. This discussion is delivering a world-class call center experience in government. Sponsored by Zendesk here on Federal News Network. Government organizations rely on Zendesk to deliver the best possible constituent and employee user experiences. Zendesk helps government organizations provide customer service at any scale. Zendesk's easy-to-use, secure customer service platform allows your teams to centralize communication, streamline workflows, and analyze trends while they're happening. Our tools help government agencies manage COVID-19 response and remote workforces. That means greater efficiency and happier citizens and employees. Zendesk is a FedRAMP-authorized solution. Learn more at Zendesk.com/fnn. Welcome back to our discussion, delivering a world class call center experience in government, sponsored by Zendesk here on Federal News Network. My guest today is Matt Hale, solutions consultant for the public sector at Zendesk, and I'm Tom Temin. And before the break, I said we would get into this idea of omnichannel. And Matt, if you would maybe explain what omnichannel is in the CX context and how you can make it work for your agency as an omni-channel experience to improve and drive CX. Sure, so the the idea
0: of omni-channel, a lot of times the the lesser discussed multi-channel nowadays as well, they're all in this world of how can we make it so that a customer or constituent that's reaching out for help can do that in any way that they want to and that we can support them the same way. So omni-channel is really about offering any possible modern method of a constituent reaching out and then uh, being able to centralize that enough on the back end so that there's no discrepancies between somebody calling in versus emailing in. In terms of how to get there, I think the main thing that you need to do to create an omni-channel environment is to work to centralize things behind the scenes. It's really easy to do multi-channel nowadays, which would be just Uh, spinning up all sorts of different ways for people to get in touch with you. You got phone numbers over here, you got email addresses over here, a web form on a site, maybe a, a live chat widget popping up somewhere, maybe allow social media interactions. But if things aren't centralized behind the scenes, then while you're making it easier for your constituents to get in touch, you're really making things that much harder for your agents to be able to actually support them. If I've got a jump between five different windows and interfaces and I have siloed data, I can't track things properly from that phone call to that email, or I can't even handle them the same way from that uh, web form to that social media request, you're not really doing yourself any favors. So omnichannel would be uh, everything's coming into one place, but then I've got that one singular interface, that one singular uh, data source, to be able to to follow back up with them that's that's really the the goal behind that
1: so in other words you have to be able to resolve the situation however the customer chooses and hopefully at the easiest and quickest level but in the back end you almost need a case management approach such that if they end up calling they don't have to start explaining from the very beginning what's going on the transaction record and the meaning of it will be available to that call center person already because uh, that's a big I think bugaboo for people. And we know, know in our private life, got to start all over with all the details in the background. Yeah. When you
0: get yeah. You're, you're hitting it on the head. Yeah. That, that's, that's omni-channel right there. You think about your, your personal life, uh, how many times potentially over the course of an interaction even uh, or, or request that you have in your personal life, you might switch channels. Maybe you reach out to a, a, a company um, you know, while you're at, at work one day by filling out a web form, and then they email you back and you respond via email. Uh, but then you, know, you hop in the car, and you want to know what the status of this request is, so now you call them, and then they send you a text back, and now you're texting back. If you're re-explaining or uh, re-authenticating yourself even every single time you're doing one of those steps, immense frustration, you're eliminating your ability to do that first contact resolution that we just talked about. You're destroying your efficacy with that customer effort score that we talked about before the break, making things harder uh, on the customer or the constituent to be able to do business with you. So omnichannel channel would be exactly no matter how, how I reach out to you every time I've switched channels or just wherever, I like to think of it as wherever I am in the moment, whatever way that I might want to reach out for help on the platform, the channel of my choice, have a way to be able to do that. Uh, and that's how you're promoting that idea of customer effort score. That's how you're making things easier for your constituents by wherever they think to go first. Um, there, there you are, and you're able to support them just as effectively as any, any other method.
1: And what about the idea of voice recognition and other easy, automated almost, to the, to the caller, or to the user authentication means? Does that creep people out that if you just say hello, they know who it is? Or is that something that you find is coming into these systems as a way to speed up things?
0: I don't think it creeps people out. I think we're maybe it, maybe it did in the past, but I think we're at this point in society. There's there's so much AI everywhere that people are interacting with uh, chat bots and uh, and voice based bots uh, so much that yeah, I, I think we're we're past the point that you could say somebody's going to be unnerved or even uh, you know upset by you recognizing who they are. I think it's more expected than anything else, especially since the start of the pandemic some of the biggest things that we've seen in terms of customer expectation in general, and this is industry agnostic, is uh, increased expectation around response time and accessibility. And and both of those two things really require you to be able to leverage concepts like automation where it can be effective. I think it it makes a lot more sense for uh, uh, me to pick up a phone call when somebody has reached out to me and me, instead of saying, hi, who is this? Okay, let me look up your record. Let me create a ticket for you. Uh, What is this about? Oh, I'm not the right person to talk to. Let me transfer you to them to instead be able to leverage these technologies to have those first few seconds of that phone call be, hey, Tom, uh, it's nice to talk to you. Uh, I assume you're calling about uh, this issue that I see in my system from two days ago. Let me tell you the status of that. That's how you're able to leverage that technology and that voice recognition to be able to drive a superior customer experience, you know, right out of the get go. That's always gonna be my best practice. If you've got those tools available, use them to your benefit.
1: And I wanted to ask you something of an irony here because our main topic is having a great call center and call center experience. But one of the ways to do that is to minimize the (laughs) situations that actually reach the call center. Sure. How to resolve them in a chat box or online. And so, Is that that's considered state of the art now, right? Is to actually reduce the need for calls so that you can have better calls when they are absolutely needed.
0: Right. Yes, I I think uh, we're always going to have calls at least for the foreseeable future. There's always going to be people that prefer to call. I'm secretly. Uh, one of those people that prefers to call. If I've got an issue, I don't want to deal with a chat bot. I want to talk to somebody on the phone. I still have that feeling with all of my technology, all of my helping to sell and create solutions around these technologies. I'm still old school enough that I I just want to talk to somebody. So there's always going to be those people. But you're right. The thing about phone calls is that they're traditionally the most siloed channel. Uh, Telephony is its kind of own beast a, a lot of the times. It's also the most expensive channel. It's also the most time-consuming channel. I could be chatting with three or four people uh, in the same span of time as it takes me to resolve one phone call uh, and and be on the phone with somebody. So the idea of a call center, I think nowadays, maybe the modern call center, it's more than just calls. It it is all these other methods. And uh, you're right that uh, I think a big push that we see in this world of modern CX is what kind of methods can we employ uh, especially in the omni-channel world, to get away from phone calls, to reduce the, the burden so that when we do have something that has to be a phone call or somebody that prefers a phone call, we've got the time to be able to devote to them um, and, and, and make that a resolution. The best ways that I think of to really consider moving people away from phone is go right back to that idea uh, of CES, uh, customer effort. You know, Make these other channels easier and that's what people are going to prefer. So that's where you see uh, you know, the big buzz right now in the industry with, with bots and artificial intelligence. Can we at least do uh, data collection or, or basic troubleshooting uh, with automation and with self-service so that we can get people to the right spot if they do need a call or maybe deflect some of those um, maybe more mundane or low-touch type of issues so that we can free up our our human agents and our human resources for those things that are always gonna need that little bit of human touch. I don't think it's wrong to push people to those things. Uh, I think it's just, let's make sure that we're doing it right. And the way that we're doing it right is to make it complete and make it as easy as possible for the constituent. And and then there you go.
1: And in the few minutes we have left, really about a minute left, I wanted to ask you about the idea of cloud hosted solutions for all of this omni-channel work. Can they also enable remote and telework call center employees, which seems to be a way a lot of companies are going. And I think the government, certainly the employees would like to have that option also.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a huge proponent. Uh, I think we we especially saw the, the necessity for it Uh, At the start of the pandemic, everybody had to be able to move to a a remote call center, let's say. Um, I have worked personally with uh, many customers in every sector of government, as well as the private sector, uh, to move their call centers, uh, in some cases, literally overnight to full-time remote work um, so that they, they could be able to support that. I think as long as you're giving people the right technology, and uh, giving them the tools that they need to be successful at their jobs to be fulfilled, you don't need to be looking over their shoulder all the time. Uh, you know, even some of the, the current move back to the office concepts uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think we've, we've proven Uh, over the last couple of years that these types of jobs can be done remote and a lot of times to the the benefit of the people doing them they can be done just as well remotely so all of that data everything that we've discussed up until this point if you've got a system where that kind of information is going to be available to you honestly I think that you've got what you need in order to be able to effectively support a remote workforce and, and see a lot of success with that.
1: All right. Some great information. We've been speaking with Matt Hale, Solutions Consultant for the Public Sector at Zendesk. I'm Tom Temin. You've been listening to Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Zendesk.
0: Thank you for listening to the discussion, delivering a world-class call center experience in government, sponsored by Zendesk on Federal News Network.